This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I want to share with you, even though many of you probably heard this precious experience I had years ago, but maybe some have not. I attended a church in Canada named Catacombs, very exciting, very powerful ministry. Thousands of young people like you, 3,000 every Thursday night. I was one of them. I was 19 years old when I got saved. And I began attending this church. <clears throat> the lady who wrote Jehovah Jireh, Merla Watson, was the leading lady with her husband Merv, Merv and Merla Watson. I was in their home when she wrote the song, Jehovah Jireh, I'll never forget that. But it was beautiful worship, no doubt, but it, 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 it lacked, it lacked what Catherine Kuhlman presented on that day when I saw that amazing woman minister. Now, we had a lot of music. We had a full orchestra on Thursday night, violins and trombones and trumpets and a mighty pipe organ. It was glorious. <clears throat> and then they began a church with a dear, very powerful Bible teacher named Jim McAllister. The McAllister family was very famous, very Pentecostal people who established a lot of what we have today in, in this country. The McAllisters were very well known in America. And one of their family members was Pastor Jim. He was probably one of the most amazing preachers I think I ever heard in those days. And, uh, but never one time that I ever remember I saw healing in those meetings. Never did I see anyone fall under the power. There wasn't much of what you see today, you know, people uh, experiencing such uh, power in meetings. I remember one guy one time, he shook a little bit and everyone wanted to touch him, hoping they'll get something for themselves. He just trembled and they all began rubbing him like maybe he'll come off, you know. <clears throat> so. I used to work with this group of people, catacombs. I was one of their singers, in fact, believe it or not. And we traveled throughout Europe for three months putting concerts. And we had a concert in a big mall. Back in those days, they would, they would let you preach the gospel in the mall. And one Sunday, all of us, 64 of us, young people, presented the gospel in music and song and such, such. And there was a man who was there who saw me. And I used to work at the kiosk in that same mall. I, would, I used to sell ice cream in the afternoon after school. And I had my Bible open the whole time and I was underlying my, but all I had is my Bible and I had lines lined up like you can't believe. I never saw one face. I'd say, can I help you? And I'm doing this. And they, yeah, I want this and that. Do you want 
vanilla or chocolate, but I never looked at them. Lines lined up. And I would go with, with, I would carry my Bible to the little machine and push the little thing down there and do both at the same time. We had scriptures all over the walls so nobody could miss hearing, or I should say reading the gospel. And we had a manager, he was really nasty from Quebec. He'd come and say, what are you reading? What, what are you doing reading this Bible? Why is all the Bible all over the place? I said, look at the line, look, look at the line. Because <laughs> there was lines everywhere of people. I said, just look, look at the lines. But you, you're, you're too religious, you're too religious. I said, look at the cashier, open the cashier. See how much money is in there. <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd walk away. He'd scream at me and walk away. And every time he would see the lines and me, can I help you? Because I didn't look at nobody. He'd come telling me off, look at the people, look at the line. Look at the cashier, look at how much money you're making. And he'd walk away. Well, anyways, a man walked up to me one day named Jim Pointer who was a mighty saint of God, who tremendously affected my life. He said, weren't you with, with those kids a few days ago in that concert? I said, yes. He said, I, because I had long hair, very long hair, longer than some, some of you girls, <laughs> very curly long hair. I had girls tell me, oh, how I wish I can have your hair, but I said, well, it's not for sale. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> I was extremely handsome. This is where Jesse gets her looks. My daughter, Jessica, I love her so much. Anyways, so I said, yes, I was one of those kids. He said, you know what? Would you, would you come with me? And this was when it all happened. He said, would you come with me to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting? I said, oh, that lady on television. I said, I saw her on TV. And the first time I, I saw her, I didn't know what to think of her because she said, hello there. She talked like that, you know. Have you been waiting for me? Very dramatic. So I, I'd seen her on TV, but I wasn't sure much about her ministry. So I said, of course, of course, you know, I'll go. Well, my daddy, you know, we from the Middle East, you've, you, you've got to pay Papa, you know. So my father said, you're not going. So I had to pray. I could never say anything to him because we all honored him so much and were very, we revered him. And so I'd go pray, oh Lord, please change his mind so I can go. So anyways, finally said, yeah, you, you, you can go. Thank you, Jesus. Then I go. My daddy was six foot two. He was like a boxer. I'm short like my mom. My dad was tall and big and scared the lights out of me. All my mom had to say to us when we were kids, I'll tell you that we would hide under the beds or table. So we from the East, we, we honored our parents. When we'd come home, we had to kiss their, their, their hand and all that. That was just the way the culture is. So it was like the king, you know. Nobody ate till my daddy ate. Then we all ate. He had to eat first. So that's just the way it was. Well, anyways, so now I'm on a bus with a group of Latvian people mostly going to see Catherine Kuhlman. I'd never been there in my life. Seven hour drive down to Pittsburgh with these old people on the bus, mostly old people. Sweet though, oh my goodness, they were sweet. Well anyways, so 
we're told now we have to be at the door by 5 a.m. Now, this is December 21st, 1973, 49 years ago, a few days ago, and it's like it happened yesterday. So I'm all wrapped up. It's cold in Pittsburgh in December and in Canada especially. And I had my big heavy coat like the Eskimos or new, they call them the Inuits now. And I'm just all wrapped up and we got up at two in the morning to line up at the door. First Presbyterian Church, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, still there. So I, we all get there and to my shock, there's a big crowd already out there waiting. So we're in the crowd, and I'm standing there, and suddenly I start shaking. I'm thinking, well, I'm not cold, but I'm vibrating just all over the place. At least two hours out there, and we just shook and shook. I shook and shook and shook the whole time. They opened the doors, and to my shock, people began running. They almost trampled me. They, they just took off. When those doors opened, people ran to get a seat. And the place filled up in no time. So we all ran with them, of course. And I sat about third row on the front, because I was young and ran much quicker than those sweet people <laughs> uh, on the bus. <clears throat> and most of them out, you know, outside were not young. They were older people. So we younger guys, we took off like bullets. And I'm sitting down, I took my coat off, and I kept shaking. I was just trembling the whole time. I did not know why. And the beautiful organist was playing the old hymns, and, and then Jim looks at me. He was sitting next to me. He said, now, listen, he said, when Catherine comes on, we all stand up. I said, why? He said, well, we all stand up. Okay. Because we never stood up in church when the when the preacher walked in. In school back in Israel, we did when the nuns came in. Because we had to. If we did not, one of those you got. So we didn't stand because we liked them. We stood because we feared them. And we'd, we'd, we'd always say, bonjour, and all the French school I went to. Anyway, so... <clears throat> I, I, I don't know, people have, have asked me to describe that, that beautiful atmosphere in Catherine. Uh, there, there really is no way to describe it except to say that Jesus overwhelmed me with his reality. The reality of the Lord was so intense, Jim Pointer next to me became zero. Alex was with us. Parachin was his name. They all disappeared like no, they, all the real people became no, no people at all. They, his reality overpowered everyone else's reality. And I look at Miss Kuman and she had this smile on that was only in heaven I think people smile like that. The, 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 the smile was so heavenly. I didn't know. There's no such way to describe her smile. Because it, it wasn't natural. I mean, I've seen people smile, but not. The, the joy on her face was, I think only in, in heaven can you see such joy. And her face shone, literally, like lights, like a, like a bright light was all, all you know, around her. And 
God is my witness, there was like a, a mist around her, like a mist. I honestly, I thought I'm in heaven. This could not be Pittsburgh. And then she began leading people in worship. And oh, I was caught up. She began with how great thou art. I'll never forget that. And then she went into Jesus. There's something about that name. And I, I'm, I had my hands up like, like this. And I felt wind. Literally on my arms and my hand. I'm feeling this breeze. So I looked around. I thought maybe somebody opened a window. But no window. The beautiful stained glass windows. You couldn't open them anyways. There's no way you, op you can open these beautiful stained glass windows in that beautiful church. So I'm looking around. And then suddenly I said, because the Lord was just so, uh, the, the, the word real is not even the kind of word that can describe that moment. He was more than real. Reality that's just a word. He was closer than close. He was nearer than near. And I said to him, have mercy on me. And I heard him speak back to me very beautifully. He said, my mercy is abundant on you. And suddenly I, I felt this tingle go right through my body. And then we sat down and Miss Kuman had a lady come up from Australia that had been healed and Miss Kuman wrote a book called A Thousand Miles for a Miracle. Sorry, 10,000 Miles for a Miracle. It's a little book she had about this healing. And this woman came up from Australia to talk about her healing. And the whole time I'm sitting there feeling this uh, I was like in a, in a cocoon of glory. I don't know how else to say it. I'm thinking everybody else can feel the same thing, but I find out later that not, that wasn't so. So, as this lady is talking, a thought came into my mind. Hmm, I don't believe that. And immediately that, that beauty left, that, that glory left, like instantly. I went back into almost that dying atmosphere I was in before Catherine came on. And I, and I was so shit. Oh, no, no. I said, please, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Came right back. Even my thought of, I don't believe that lady. That testimony. And I was shaken up how quickly the Holy Spirit lifted. But, you know, I was still learning about his beauty and gentleness and sensitivity even to our thoughts. Because it said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Even our thoughts can grieve him. I did not know that. Now the service continued. And halfway, now Miss Kumit didn't preach ever in the morning meetings. I heard her preach in the big stadiums. But First Presbyterian seated 700 people. I thought in those days thousands. There's more people here in this service now than there were in that church that day. So, 
she stopped. And she began to weep. Now, her staff told me later, because I, I worked with them for four years, they said they had never seen her do this before. She, her head went like this, on the, and she began sobbing, like weeping. And everything stopped. We all were wondering, like, what, what happened? Because there was, you know, a, she, she would line up people in the center who came to be healed, and she would question them, and what happened to you? And they would tell her with a microphone that was in front of her on a stand, so nobody came on the platform. They stood up from here to where that speaker is, and she would ask them what happened to them. And then she would have them come forward, and then they would fall with dear Donnie, uh, would catch them, her, her young man named Donnie. <clears throat> so now she stops and begins to sob. I don't think I'll forget that moment for all, all eternity, and not just in this lifetime. When, when she stood up, her face was fire. That's like fire. She began to beg the crowd with her, from her being. And I don't know that I can ever repeat how she said it, but she began to say, please, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, like, why is she saying that? It was so, you could feel the pain in her voice. In that glory, there was just such, such a powerful moment. And she said, don't grieve him. He's all I got. He's all I have. Such beautiful words. And then with her face glowing like, I'm not kidding you when I say fire. Like red like fire. She said, he's more real to me than you. And it just happened to be she pointed right to my face. Because I was sitting on the third row. And inside of me, some, like a cry came out. I want to know you. Because I didn't. At that moment, I realized for the first, first time in my life, I, I don't know the Lord like this. Because I went to this great church with great music and dancing and shouting and crowds and young people. But nobody ever talked like that. Nobody ever looked like that. The intense power of God on her face was like, uh, I'll never forget. Service now came to an end. It was five hours long, and you thought it was like five minutes. So now we go back on the bus and back to Canada. And I get home. About 11 p.m., we got there. Service began at 9 a.m., finished about 1 2 p.m. Now we're home, 11 something. And I, I'm in bed, just exhausted, of course. And I could not get, get away from that morning, the, the amazing morning that I had. Nearly, goodness, 49 years ago, plus a few days. So now I feel like someone is trying to pull me out of my bed. So I, I came out of my bed not even knowing why. 
and he forced me to my knees. Some force just forced me to my knees. So I'm kneeling there, and suddenly, out of my out of my being came these words. I didn't even plan on it. I said, "Holy Spirit," and I thought, "Am I supposed to talk to him?" Because nobody told me I could. I said, well, you know, if I'm wrong, God will correct me. Holy Spirit, Catherine Kuhlman said, you're a friend. Now, she didn't say those words, but everything she said, said said those words. He's all I have, he's all I got. Don't wound him, don't injure him. He's more real to me than you are. I said, Catherine said, you're a friend. Can I know you? Ten minutes went, went by, nothing happened. I thought, oh, good try. I'm just about to pick myself up when suddenly the atmosphere that was there in the morning was back in my bedroom. I felt this blanket surround me like I did that morning. This, I felt like I was surrounded by this beautiful glory again. And I had my eyes closed. And then I thought, or I'm dead, or I'm back in Pittsburgh. But I knew I wasn't. And I opened my eyes. I'm still in my bedroom. The glory of God that came into my room was no different than that morning meeting. And then something happened. I wanted to know a little more about the Lord, but somewhat the Lord, I think, wanted to wait, and I sensed it. So now I went back to bed, slept maybe, maybe, maybe three hours. I woke up just at sunrise, maybe like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and the first words out of my mouth, good morning, Holy Spirit. I felt like he was already my friend. And that same atmosphere came right back. I said, word for word, I said, tell me about yourself. And I heard a voice say, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just like that. So let's go. First Corinthians 2. And as I began reading, it was like a precious, gentle teacher was there showing me who, who, who he was. I'm going to read this, but then I'm going to tell you a little more that I think you need to hear. Because some of you maybe have never known that he can be that real to each one of you. And so when you read, beginning at verse 9, it says, and this is where my eyes fell on that verse. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard neither has, have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. And then I read, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. And these words, these following words jumped out of my Bible. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And then I stopped. And I want you all now to look at me. Don't keep reading. I understood that this precious person I'm talking to is the one who can tell me everything about God that I need to know. That he is the revealer of who God is, who Jesus is. And a great journey began in my life that I never knew existed. So from, from that day, I began saying, be, be, before I would even read the Bible, I'd say, Holy Spirit, you're the author of the scriptures. Help me understand them. Or help me pray. I would say things like, I'm just dust. How can dust talk to the Lord? Help me talk to him. And it became such a fellowship. I was telling Chad on the way. I was, this went on for a whole year. For a whole year. Can, can you play songs on the Holy Spirit? Yeah. For a whole year, that blessed presence would not, would not lift. I mean, continually, even when I would go somewhere else, it was there. It was, I, I was, I was, I was in, a, in a cocoon for a whole year. It didn't lift, not even for a minute. And I'll tell you how it lifted and why in just a second. So, I'm in fellowship with him and I'm, I would literally run to my room. Oh, I missed you so much. Did I miss anything? That kind of relationship. And I'm in fellowship with him. This will go for hours. Eight, ten, nine hours a day, nonstop. And it didn't even feel like ten hours. And Jim Pointer, that sweet man who took me to see Miss Kuman, who, who became like a father to me because my own daddy at, in those days wasn't saved. And I spent more time with Jim than my own family and his wife, dear Marianne, would cook for, my, for me. He, he, he had a home, he had a, a foster home for troubled uh, teens, but heaven was in that home. He had probably... Uh, 10 at least young people living in their home who were all bound by drugs and this and that. But when you walked in, Jesus was in that house. And a lot of those kids became leaders later. The, listen, the dean of, CB, uh, of, of uh, CBN University, uh, I don't think they call it that, regent. The dean of regent was one of those kids in that house. So just imagine the impact Jim had on these kids. Now, I was one of those kids, but I didn't have a problem like they did. I didn't do drugs, any of that. Please, sweet people, try not to move while I'm ministering the word. 
Okay? Because if you distract somebody, they can miss one word that can change their life. Okay? Please. So don't move. Try to stay in, in your seat for the sake of those around you. So anyways, uh, Jim, thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit, precious people, is so, is so gentle that sometimes when people move, distraction can kill it. You do understand, all right? Okay. So I want to just get, get back to what I was saying because it's so important. Jim had said to me, and by the way, he was a very saintly man. He came and he said one day, he said, would you come with me? I'm going to go preach in a Methodist church, and I need you with me. I said, okay, and I used to help him carrying his, his beautiful accordion, and he had a massive accordion. And he actually taught me all the hymns in his home. He would sit with that accordion playing and his piano with all those kids upstairs listening to rock music, and down below we were all in glory. I said, sure, I'll, you know, I'll come with you. So I'm in my room in fellowship with the Lord. I hear him honking in the car. He had an old Chevy honking in that car. And I'm about to walk out and literally before God Almighty, I felt a hand hold my arm. And he said to me, please, just a few more minutes. I couldn't believe it. That was the first time in my life that I actually felt a hand grab me, a reel with five fingers, and said, just a few more minutes. That's how much he desires our fellowship. And so Jim keeps honking the, the car. I said, oh, Lord, I'll be back, I promise, but I got to go help him. So now I get in the car. The minute I get in the car, Jim begins to weep and begins to sing, hallelujah. I said, are you okay? He said, when you walked in, God walked in with you. I said, oh, dear God. Jim, I was just in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and I said, I'll be back. But he did not want to leave me. He came right in with us. <laughs> that car ride, you can imagine, was heavenly. Two ladies would pick me up for church often. Linda Pornell and dear Ann, because I couldn't drive, I didn't have a car. And one day Ann said, as she's driving, she says, can you tell us more about the Holy Spirit you've been talking about? So I began talking, and Ann stops within minutes. She stops the car. She said, dear God, don't say any, any, any more. I'm, fr I'm freezing. My whole body is, is, is she, she felt a numbness hit her so hard, she could not move the, the steering wheel. She said, if you keep talking, Benny, we will not go anywhere. I said, dear Lord, when I talk about him, he just shows up. Rose Skiff, dear Rose Skiff, saintly woman, said to me, she said, I want to know more. I said, I'm going to put Catherine's tape on so we, you and I can listen to it on the Holy Spirit. We began playing that tape, and the power of God hit so hard, she began weeping, I'm weeping. We couldn't even continue listening. Lord, visit us like this tonight in Jesus' name. <laughs> Lift your hands and ask him to show up like that. Visit us like this in Jesus' name.
Just one more, one more thing I want to tell you. I'm in the UK, 1974, when we went on that trip. Beautiful, elegant home. YWAM had us in all their homes, the people from YWAM. And I'm in one of the homes. And again, I'm in fellowship with the Lord. And the lady says, Benny, breakfast is ready. And I'm about to go down the stairs. And one more time he said, please, just a few more minutes. I began to understand that this blessed person is more beautiful than beautiful. More glorious than glorious. The Holy Ghost. Now lift, lift your hands. Come on. Just as you're seated. Holy Spirit, Thou art well come in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art well come in. Omnipotent Father, let me hear your voice. Omnipotent of mercy and grace heavenly thou art well come in Holy Spirit thou art well come in tell him Omnipotent Father. Of mercy. And grace. Thou art welcome Lord. For in. Your presence. There's healing divine. No other power can heal, Lord, only Thy. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art well come in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art well come in Lord tonight in this building fill all the hungry and the thirsty within 
Restore us, dear Father. Revive us once again. Lift your voices now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Omnipotent Father. Of mercy, Lord. And grace. That beautiful presence that's about to descend upon us. was around my life for a whole year and I'm talking one day to a lady named Michelle Flock and she happened to ask me about my upbringing and as I'm talking it lifted for the first time after a year I was I was so upset I was so shaken I thought maybe the Lord left me that was on a Monday that Thursday I was back at the catacombs and their sister Rebecca from the sisterhood of Mary was the speaker. She just passed away a few months ago. She lived into her 90s. In those days she was uh, very much a part of my life in those early days. And I went up to one day at the catacombs, I said, sister. And I told the whole story about how the Holy Spirit had visited my life and how when I was talking to Michelle Flock, he left and she said, I'm glad he finally did. I said, what did you say? She said, I'm glad he finally left. Now you will search for him with all your heart. She said, for a whole year, the Lord graced your life. But she said, now the time has come for you to look for him. And now you'll begin to grow. She said, had the Lord stayed in that way with you for a whole year and more, you would have never, never grown. She said, the Lord gives us a taste only. And then he takes that away from us. So we would seek it. And as we seek it, we grow. As we seek the Lord, we grow. And now that, that, that same blessed presence has, has come on me more than once in the crusades and different places in the world. But now it's not as easy, you know. It takes time to find him. Now, let me just say a few things before I begin. Who is he? He is the Lord. He is the spirit of the Lord. So let's look at John 14 right now. We're going to read verse 16, 17, and 18. <clears throat> and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Which means he himself already was the comforter. Now there's another comforter, another one to stand by their side, that he may abide with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, like you see me, he was saying to them, I'm here, you can see me, but the world cannot see him, neither knoweth him, like you know him now in me, but you know him. Now, why did Jesus say, but ye know him? Because they already had met the Lord himself. Now, look at me, all of you. The Holy Spirit is Jesus without limit. Because when the Lord was on earth, he was limited. In the flesh, he was limited to one place at one time. Through his spirit, he is omnipresent. When the Lord walked in the flesh, he was limited in what he can say to them and what he can teach them. Today, that limit is no longer there. That revelation can be ours and it's limitless revelation. Think about the, God's power was limited in those days. Only those who could be close enough can be healed. They had to touch him to receive healing. Today, people are healed just sitting in a meeting. There's no limit to distance anymore. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. Quite simple. So if anybody asks you, who is the Holy Spirit? You will say what? Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Because he is the Lord. He is the Spirit of the Lord. He's not separate from the Lord. He is the Lord. And Jesus says, I will pray the Father to give you another, another, not just me, but someone like me to be with you, to abide forever, even the spirit of truth. Now, let's just think about abide forever here for a minute. Jesus physically is in heaven. Jesus physically, Jesus of Nazareth is not in your heart. He's in your heart by his Holy Spirit. Do you understand that, right? So you say, Jesus is in my heart. But the real fact is, he is seated at God's right hand right now. He did not leave his throne. One day he will return to earth physically. But the one in your heart is the Lord... Jesus, the same Lord who is on the throne, is in your heart by his Holy Spirit. He is the same Lord. He's not divided. Now, you have to also understand the day will come when you will see him, you will see him, and he'll be in you all at the same time. Because Jesus said he will abide forever, forever. Meaning after this body goes back to dust, the Holy Spirit will not leave your life and my life. Because he, he, is, he is so united with us, he is inseparable from us and we from him. It's like if I had two bottles of water and I said pour it all in some bucket, you could not tell what water was what. It's all one water now. So it is with you. Your spirit and the Lord's spirit are one. Jesus said, I in them and they in me. That's unbelievable love. 
And the Bible also goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So there's no two spirits inside of your body. There's only one called the Holy Ghost. And where is your spirit? You've disappeared in him. You're hiding in him. It says, put on, put on Christ Jesus. So you are in him. Remember that. He's in you and you are in him. So there is no two spirits in your body. There's one spirit called the Holy Spirit. Because you and him are so united, you cannot be separated. All right, now, the Lord also said that you know him already because they were standing looking at, at the Lord. And then he said, for he dwelleth with you, meaning physically I'm here, but he shall be in you. Awesome. And he then goes on to say and explains that I, the physical Jesus, I will not leave you. I will not leave you as orphans or comfortless. I will come to you. And on that glorious day, after he rose from the dead, he breathed on them in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, they did not receive, please pay attention. They did not receive the person of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They received his power on the day of Pentecost. They received the person in John 20. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Ghost. Which means every person who is born again has the Holy Spirit, whether they speak in tongues or not. Speaking in tongues is a gift. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts. So it, it, is, it is foolish to, to say, let me hear you speak in tongues so I know you have the Holy Spirit. It would be no different than me walking to a drunk and say, blow so I can smell you. <laughs> let me see if you're drunk. Just do this. You can tell he's drunk by the way he walks. By the way he acts. You don't have to go and smell him. Comprende. My daddy used to say to us kids, when you see a drunk man cross the street, walk on the other side. We never went to the, to the drunk man and say, let me smell you. It would be just as silly to say, let me hear you talk in tongues. The real evidence of the Holy Spirit in a life is power. The power to live the Christian life. Not gifts and tongues and healings and miracles. They have nothing to do with proof that the Holy Ghost is in that life. Because it's, it's only a gift. You understand that, right? Many will come in there they're saying, Lord, Lord. He said, I don't know you. Because when the Holy Spirit is in your life, there will be evidence, there'll be fruit. Jesus never said by their gifts you'll know them. He said by their fruits you'll know them. Never forget that. And the fruits of the Christian life are all in the Bible. Love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness, and such things. Okay? Now, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is with you forever. Now, let's go to John 16. And let's continue. 
In John 16, beginning at verse, eight, at verse 7 and then verse 8, the Lord said something very important. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It's advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Now, what he said is so important, I have got to talk about this. All of you look and pay attention, please. Had the Holy Spirit not come, Christianity would not have survived two weeks. Why? Because when the Lord physically was on earth, they saw signs and wonders way more than you and I have ever seen in our life. Imagine being with him when he raised the dead. Imagine being with him when he calmed the storm. Or being with him on the Mount of Transfiguration and seeing his whole appearance change. And seeing Elijah and seeing Moses and hearing God's voice. But when Jesus hung on that cross, they all walked away, didn't they? And Peter denied even knowing him. And the rest began to question, is he really the Messiah? Walking to the road to Emmaus, his own relative Cleopas with an unnamed disciple were questioning if, if he was the Son of God. So when Jesus joined them, they said, we thought, we thought he would be. And the Lord had to, you know, correct them and said, and took them through the whole word. Did not our hearts burn, they said, as he was talking to us. But how could they question? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't here yet. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no living faith. Imagine, after he rose from the dead... In Matthew, it declares clearly when they saw him, some doubted. Some doubted. How can you doubt? Because without the Holy Spirit, you will question Christianity. You will doubt what God said. What did Abraham say to the rich man? Even though one will be raised from the dead, if they don't believe the word, they will not accept it. Because signs and wonders do not prove there's a God. The Holy Ghost proves there's a God. I don't need anyone to convince me there's a God. The Holy Ghost in me has shown me there is. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the witness that Jesus is the Messiah. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that assurance that you're going to heaven. That you don't fear death anymore. Don't be watching programs to convince yourself because if you, listen, if you're dependent on men to convince you, then men will change that, conv that conviction too. We need the Holy Spirit only. No one, needs, no one has to convince you you're saved. You know you're saved without anyone telling you you're saved. You don't need to read books on is there a God? Let me, maybe I'll feel peace if I watch some little testimony of somebody who died and went to heaven and came back. I don't really need that stuff. That is not going to keep you at peace. Only the Holy Spirit does that through his word. Only him through his word. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Which means no flesh and blood can give us anything. 
that can be real. Only the Holy Ghost. And no one can walk away from the faith like you're, you're hearing today if they are walking in the Spirit. So, the Lord said, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because had, had the Lord stayed, nobody would have known the faith within a very short time. You and I may have heard the name of the Lord, and, but he would not be in our hearts. We would have to go to Jerusalem and make an appointment. Think about that. But today he is in your heart and my heart by the Holy Ghost. I don't need to go to Jerusalem. I don't need to go look for the Lord somewhere. He is already with me 24 hours a day. And think about what he said. He said, there are things I cannot tell you. It's expedient for you that I go away because then the, the, the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I depart, I'll send him because they knew more about the Lord after he left than while he was there. Peter could stand up and preach one of the greatest messages after the resurrection. While before the resurrection, they were all hiding in the upper room, fearing that they would be taken by the Pharisees. But when the Holy Spirit came, it changed everything. Now they could minister the word with no limit. Jesus revealed himself in a greater way than they could have received that revelation while he was physically on earth. That's why Paul writes, we know no man after the flesh, not even Christ. We know him only by the Holy Ghost. That's very important. Now, this blessed person is a person. The Holy Spirit is not someone who is not a real person. Person. You don't have to have a body to be a person. If when you look at a dead body, he's not a person, he's, he's a dead body. The person has left the body. So what makes a person? People have always asked me, does God have a body? Of course he does. Moses saw the Father. The apostles saw the Son. Well, does the Holy Ghost have a body? I said, yes, you. You are the body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the body that he dwells in. Think about your body is his home. He is living in you. Why don't you get to know him? Nobody else is living in you. Not even your husband or your wife. Thank God, I don't want him in me. Not even your children. He is in you. He is not only with you, he's in you. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, what makes a person a person? Number one, intellect. Let's go one more time. First Corinthians chapter 2, please. And look at what it says. Do you want the Lord to change your life tonight? Yes. Good. Because when I'm done ministering, I'm going to let the Lord go into action. Because I want to see you leave this place anointed. And I want God, listen here. I want God to use you in the coming days. You want that, right? All right. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. I won't be long, but what I have to say is, is important. 
I read that earlier, but look what it says here in verse 12. Now we have not received, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What are those free things that we can receive? Look at verse 11. It says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? In other words, who can know you better than yourself? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now what is so remarkable is verse 10. Verse 10 says that the Holy Spirit is searching the depth of God. Now, we have to understand anyone who is searching the depth of God has what? Intellect. Look at Romans chapter 8 and look at verse 27. What does it say to us? It says this, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit has intellect. He has a mind. Number two, he has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, he gives gifts as he wills. Just write that down for time's sake tonight. But he also has, has emotions. Romans 15, 30 talks about the love of the Spirit. But we all know Ephesians 4.30 And grieve not the Holy Ghost whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Think about that the Holy Spirit has such emotions he feels grief. I'm going to say something. This amazing person is the one who conceived the Son of God. Jesus is called the child of the Holy Ghost. I'm sensing in the next few minutes the atmosphere is going to get very charged here. So start playing just gently as I'm ministering because I'm, I'm, I'm in just a little while from now something is going to happen in the atmosphere if you're ready for it. Lift your hands and ask God, you're ready. Say, Lord, I'm ready. And say, Lord, touch me. Visit me. Change my future. Mightily. Now, for the next few moments, just pay attention because what I'm going to share with you is very important. The Holy Spirit, according to Matthew 1.18, is the one who conceived the Son of God. Now, for just a moment, just think here, think. The God we serve is eternity itself. He has no beginning, he has no end. He is the beginning, he is the end. And all creation exists in him. 
God does not live in eternity. He is eternity. But think about the power it took to reduce him to a seed. That this God that holds creation, the heavens and the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, was reduced to a seed in a woman's womb. That's power. It's the Holy Spirit, it's His power that took God literally turning God into a seed in a woman. That's why Gabriel said that holy thing within thee is the Son of God. Such incredible power that Jesus understood for it says in the book of Hebrews, you know, I was going to give you all this, but I'm just going to talk to you because you need to really get it. It says in Hebrews chapter 9 that Jesus offered himself through the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That he would offer him through the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Here's this big conference in, in glory before creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are now planning your salvation. And the Father looks and says to the Son, who was not the Son yet, the Word, will you become flesh? Will you go and become the Redeemer? And Jesus basically said, yes, but I need the Holy Spirit to be that power. I need Him with me. And so now the Lord, and I'm simply paraphrasing, the Lord offers himself through his Holy Spirit and right on schedule the Holy Spirit shows up in the River Jordan to anoint him. But when he offered himself through the Holy Spirit he was basically surrendering completely to his will. You have to understand something very important. Had the Holy Spirit changed his mind, Jesus would not have accomplished what God sent him to do. Had the Holy Spirit not raised him from the dead, Jesus would still be intact today in the grave. Why? Because his body did not come out of dust. His body is the living word of God. And since Jesus did not come out of the ground, what would he have gone back into? So the Holy Ghost raised him from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit who led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. So he can identify with us as men and women. We, we, we have to understand God did not know what it was like to be tempted till he became flesh. God did not know what it was like to feel pain till he became a man. And the Lord did not take upon himself the form of angels, but the form of flesh. The Holy Spirit, the mighty third person of the Trinity, the very power of God himself. He is the omni potent and the omnipotence of heaven. 
when you think about the Trinity, God is the one who always speaks, let there be light, let us make man. Jesus is the doer in the Trinity. Jesus began to do and to teach. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. But who is the Holy Spirit? He's the, he's the power. And I've always said it, and I'll say it again. It's like me saying, turn the lights on. And someone goes and turns the switch on. But who brings the real electricity? A generator. The Holy Ghost is the generator of heaven. He's the power of Almighty God. And think about that. It was He that conceived the Son of God into flesh. I cannot identify with Adam. I cannot identify with a man who just showed up all grown up. I, I cannot identify with a man who showed up all grown up and all wise. He had such a mind to give names to all animals by their millions. I cannot identify with a man who showed up all grown up and did not have a mommy or a daddy or a lineage. He just showed up out of nowhere. I cannot identify with a man who just shows up, grown up, all-knowing, all-wise, no mommy, no daddy, no lineage, no family, no nothing, just by himself, ruling the whole planet. I cannot identify. There's, there's no connection between me and you and, and Adam, except he was the first man. But who was the real man? Was it Adam? No. It was the second Adam who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Listen to me. Adam was never born. Adam was created. Jesus was born. Adam was not dependent on a mommy and a daddy to protect him. Jesus did. What a God this is. What an amazing God that he didn't just show up. He came as a baby, a helpless child, dependent on Mary and Joseph to keep and protect him and to feed him. That's a real human being. Adam didn't have a lineage. Jesus did. He came from the tribe of Judah. Adam didn't have a family, brothers and sisters. Jesus did. I can identify with that. And not one time do we see Adam not one time do we see Adam as our representative. When he fell into sin, for example, never one time did, did Adam say, I'm sorry I sinned. Not one time. He blames God for it. When God came in that beautiful day, in the cool of, of the day, where art thou, he says, and, and now they're hiding behind a bush somewhere. It's the woman you gave me. Jesus was nothing like that. Jesus took our sin upon himself. Adam blames God. And Jesus takes the blame of the world upon himself. That's my Redeemer and your Redeemer. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who made him flesh with all our humanity there that we're going to identify with him. 
what a precious Savior. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit who led him, led him to be tempted by Satan. So Jesus would learn obedience and learn that he would win through suffering and obedience. And this same Jesus, so dependent on the Holy Spirit that every word he spoke, he would wait till the Holy Ghost would give him those words. And he said in John 6, the words I speak, they are spirit. This same Jesus, who could have, who could have ever, think about this, who could have suffered the sufferings of the cross without the Holy Ghost? In Gethsemane, none of this is in, in my notes. God just telling me talk to him. I got to get through to you. In Gethsemane, his sweat became blood because the devil tried to kill him. They say that when your sweat becomes blood, you will die. That's how, when, when, when sweat becomes blood, it's, it's because of the intense stress and pressure on someone. He who is holy understood that he was about to take upon him our sin. He took upon him our sin. And we don't know when that happened. We don't know whether it happened on the way to the cross or on the cross. Nobody knows except we know this, that Jesus understood the sin of humanity is about to come upon me. And he never ceased to be God on that cross. Anyone who says anything different, they are not biblical. Jesus was perfect man, perfect God, all at the same time. He was as much, listen, he was as much man as though he was not God when he walked the earth. He was as much man as though he was not God and as much God as though he was not man. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, all at the same time. God in the flesh, the word incarnate. And think about the sufferings of the Messiah, our precious Savior. In the house of Caiaphas, they tore his beard right off his face, fulfilling Isaiah 50. Beating him, buffet means fist. That's what it means to buffet. When Jesus left the house of Caiaphas, he could not be recognized as a man. Because hundreds of men punched him, pulled his beard off, slapping him, blindfolding him. Who's slapping you? Prophesy. His face was swollen when he came out of the house of Caiaphas. Now he goes to the Praetorium stands before Pilate. They whipped him with these metals so massive. They literally, dis they, they, they broke his body with that metal. On that whip, they had metal all over. So much so that his organs were damaged people. It's amazing, he survived. 
only by the, by the power of God. And they, they, they placed a crown of thorns, literally crushing his forehead with it. The passion of the Christ, that movie, that doesn't even, even show, not, not, not even close. Because he was marred, he, he was marred more than any man. More than any man means in, in, in all history, no one, no one was disfigured like the master. No one. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, no beauty we should desire on the cross. The one that Solomon calls altogether lovely is now not lovely at all to look at. And the Holy Ghost gave him the power to endure because every drop of blood had to be shed before he would say, it is finished. That precious blood that paid the price of our life and salvation had to, had to be shed. Holy blood, precious blood. And that blood didn't come from his mother Mary because she called him my savior. There's no such thing as the Immaculate Conception. Only one is sinless. His name is Jesus, not Mary. She was the vehicle, yes. We honor her for that. All nations and many generations will call her blessed, absolutely. We never take away what God gave her. But she is not Savior or Redeemer. Nor is she co-redeemer. Today the Catholic Church made her a co-redeemer. I refuse that with all my heart. There's only one Savior, one Redeemer. His name is Jesus and only, only, only Jesus. And no one qualifies no one qualifies to be the way, the truth, and the life except the man called Jesus of Nazareth. When I have to sit and listen to the Oprah Winfrey's of the world who say he is one way to heaven, I say, where are these people coming? Where are they even coming from? Who, who else died on that cross? And who else shed his blood like that? And who else rose from the dead by his own power? How dare, how dare you insult my Redeemer by saying to the world and your audience that he is only one way. No, he's not one way. He is the only way. The only way. My son Joshua, asked me a very wonderful question one day. He said, Daddy, my friends want to know how come Jesus is the only way to heaven? I said, honey, because he's the only one who died and rose again. And since he rose, he qualifies to be the Savior. <laughs> who else rose from the dead? They're all dead and gone. They've all died. Nobody rose from the dead except one. The power of the Holy Ghost. Kept him, kept him alive till he said, it is finished. When every drop of blood was out of his body. And think about the miracle people don't even think about. 
that Hebrews 9.12 says that Jesus entered heaven with his own blood. Who gave it to him? Who gave it to him? It was shed in Gethsemane in the house of Caiaphas on the way from the house of Caiaphas to the praetorium from the praetorium to Golgotha who collected every precious drop but the Holy Ghost and on that glorious resurrection morning this blessed person called the Holy Spirit entered into that tomb and his mighty power came through that blessed broken torn body and healed it you know why Mary Magdalene did not recognize him when he, he said Mary because the last time she saw him he was unrecognizable and when she saw him the only signs of his sufferings were the nails and the holiness side and the nail prints in his feet. Why? That we might never forget what he did for us. You and I are going to have a body in heaven with no, plain, with no nail prints. No hole in our side. No nail prints in our feet. But he, the glorious Lamb of glory, will have the signs of Calvary forever. That's why we can sing, Precious Lamb of glory. God's most wondrous story Heart of God, redemption of man Worship the Lamb Dear God, I feel the anointing already Of glory, the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit is so important in his life That not only did he conceive him led him, anoints him, empowers him, gives him the power to endure, raises him from the dead. More than that, in Acts chapter 1, his last instructions he gave were through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave the last in instruction to the church before the Lord ascended. And who was that cloud? Who was that cloud that received him? It says the cloud received him. Who is the cloud? The Holy Ghost. He'll, he'll come back in the clouds. Who's the, who's the cloud? And when Jesus returns to earth, he will destroy all his enemies with the breath of his mouth. Who's the breath of his mouth? The Holy Ghost. Here's my question to you. If Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, then we need the Holy Ghost. If Jesus, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, think about the greatest gift he could give the church, the greatest gift is the Holy Ghost. Yet this precious person, just real heavenly there, this precious person can be grieved. Nowhere does it say grieve not the Father, grieve not the Son. I've said it and I'll say it again. When they sinned against the Father, they were dead. Anyone who sinned against the, the Father, they were slain, thousands of them in the desert. When they sinned against the Son, He rebuked them. But when people sin against the Holy Ghost, He does not kill them or rebuke them, He just leaves them. And you know what? 
leaving is worse than killing. As I never want him to leave me. David understood the danger when he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This precious person is easily wounded because the Bible says he's gentle like a dove. Easily leaves like a dove. It says quench not the spirit. Resist not the spirit because people do. And God made a decision in heaven that every sin he'll forgive. The blood pays for every sin except one. Except one. Any man who speaks against the, the Holy Ghost, there is no blood that will wipe away that sin. What, what, what is the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? It's calling what is holy and calling what God does satanic. And I've heard people say it's of the devil. I would not want to be in the shoes of the person who blasphemes the Holy Ghost. It's too holy. So Catherine used to say, if you don't understand it, don't talk about it. Just don't talk about it. You don't know the danger you're putting your soul in. When they said in Matthew 12, it's Beelzebub. What did Jesus say? He said, every sin I'll forgive, but this one. If you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, and I don't believe a, a, a true Christian will ever blaspheme the Holy Ghost. But I warn some of you, especially you students, you young people. I've, no, I've known many individuals who went to anti-charismatic schools and came out brainwashed. I've known people personally who went to a school that rejected the power of the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And they came out of those schools, anti-charismatics, legalistic, with a religious spirit, attacking every preacher that God is using, self-appointed judges, have, having forgotten, judge not that he be not judged. Stay in your stream and you'll stay safe. Did you hear what I said? Stay in the same flow. You'll be safe. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795.
thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.